Welcome back to Incremental, the Continuous Improvement Podcast. This is our practice edition where we look at improvements we made during the week and talk about them in terms of lean. Um, I was sort of thinking about maybe changing that intro a little bit yeah, to be more about like, I don't know, that sort of feels like we're going to analyze this and break this down instead of like sharing where we're at. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the really interesting part, hopefully, is just, like, again, back to the, like, proximal learning thing of being, like, what is a small company that's also trying to implement lean is yeah. struggling with? Yeah. Rather than just, like, oh, we reduced wasted motion this week. Huzzah. Nice. <laughs> High five, man. Um, I don't know. Anyway, just a thought. Yeah. But, quote? Quote, the first 90% of the code accounts for the first 90% of the development time. The remaining 10% of the code accounts for the other 90% of the development time. <laughs> Too real. It is. Uh, I have a friend who was a programmer. Uh-huh. He's retired now. And some years back, we were talking about how projects always take longer than you expect. And he said that when they would get a project timeline estimate, he would... Maybe I've t- said this before. He would, I think he said he would multiply by three and then change to the next larger unit. And it tended and to be... Follow that second part. So like if they said it was going to be two days, he would go to six weeks. And he said... So he, he would go to triple that, so six days, so and then go up to up, the next... Up a unit. Whoa. And he said he found it to be fairly accurate. He'd been... That's really depressing. Programming his entire career. Um, so it's like, hey, I'll get the, that to you next tomorrow, and it'll be three weeks. I think this was maybe f- more for like a project as a whole. Okay. So if like they're going to like roll out a new product. And it's like, we're going to do that in a month. Yeah. It's like, wait, so a month would be three years? That doesn't <laughs> feel quite right. It doesn't feel quite right. Three Just, quarters, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Because day to week would be a factor of seven. Mm-hmm. Month to year is only, a f- well, it's a factor of 12. Yeah. It was a loose Okay. It was I mean, loose still, thing, but yeah. The, the point stands that uh, this quote is maybe accurate. <laughs> it's also funny. Yeah. 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 Um, for sure. And I think, well, a couple things I think about. One is if you can... If you can design your projects such that you get benefit from them along the way, mm-hmm. they don't that they don't need to reach completion to start benefiting from or testing. I feel like you can get a lot of the um, gains without the other ninety percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Like the different, you know. I guess this is like Pareto's principle, right? Yeah. Eighty twenty. Yeah. Um, classic eighty twenty. Uh, which we have now re-termed 90 90 yeah I, I think uh, I, I think it can be beneficial like I don't they talk about um, one of the questions in Toyota Kata is like when will we be able to learn from this project yeah like when are we going to be able to go see results yeah and if it's too long it's like no like, right. I, I want, right. Like if it's like, okay, yeah, we'll have this set up and implemented in three weeks. Mm-hmm. 
I think it begs the question of like, what could we learn by the end of the day? Yeah. And that starts to avoid the issue of spending that other 90%, the second 90% of the time. It does. Also designing a system to run. Moving in the wrong direction. Yeah. Or also like if you design your stuff to work at 80% and you never try necessarily to it, you just like are always improving that 80%. Yeah. Kind of saying the same thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, classic like, don't let perfect be the enemy of good yeah, kind of thing. With code, it's like a little different because buggy code is just makes everyone's life terrible. But Yeah, that said, like we're dealing with this currently. Um, we are interested in moving to a digital database for Kanban. Mm-hmm. And um, Sam is kind of heading up some of the research part of it. Yeah. Um, Can I ask what the motivation was? Motivation is a few uh, a few fold. One, it feels very inefficient. I feel like we've gained a lot by just writing Kanban with Sharpies. Yeah. That's been really big, and I don't think we would have started if we had tried to start in a spreadsheet. Yeah. Sorry, in a like database. Sure. Yeah. But at this point, um, we can get a lot of benefit from... We are getting a lot of benefit from Kanban that have like QR codes that take you directly to the product online. Yeah. When one of those gets damaged, we now need to go spend, basically, it takes us, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, probably 10 minutes to make a new one uh-huh. because it's like, okay, now we need to go find the link again. Like nothing's documented mm. except on the card. So are you talking about having a a database reference, but still having physical cards so that like when yeah, something gets damaged, exactly. okay. you just print that it off. The other thing is when we want to make a change, Yep. to tweak our, our Kanban in the shop. Uh-huh. Like, oh, but, what if we, instead of circulating one Kanban of 32, quantity 32, what if we did four Kanban quantity eight? Yeah. Running that experiment is sort of time consuming. And then if we decided to pull the trigger on that, it would be very time consuming because you're doing... <laughs> to read, yeah. To make four of each Kanban and we have a bunch of different colors in a bunch of parts and, you yeah. know, it would just take a really long time. And then... Lastly, there's some functionality around like RFQs and email that uh-huh. don't we haven't found a good option for. And the second you start integrating more advanced stuff into your Kanban, uh, you know, I can't draw a barcode, I can't draw a QR code, yep. and so we're starting like we're back and forth to the You're computer to anyway. Print, yeah. yeah, sticking stickers on paper like it becomes a little too much of an arts and crafts project. <laughs> um, so and then also like getting data for example and i've seen this done in a physical card like at the back something i saw i think it was the closet doctor on youtube um they write when they order a card Uh on the back of the card Uh and then when they receive the item they write on the back when they was received and so you sort of have this log on the back of like yeah to get a sense of lead times right now we don't have a method of like we put issued a po did we receive the thing yeah we don't have anything so like a lot of that stuff can start to happen in the back end Mm -hmm. without i don't know without adding a lot of complexity maybe (laughs) (laughs) big question mark yeah anyway so um i think it's been challenging to maintain a very narrow scope of what we're trying to achieve as a first step Uh back to the quote Right, we're trying to come up with like a what's a pretty low effort thing where we can see like is this even a direction? Yeah. Can we make five of our Kanban in this spreadsheet print from the spreadsheet successfully 
add new products to the spreadsheets or to the database successfully. Yeah. One thing, I'm not sure if this would be a direction for you, but one thing that I've, in my job management system, because it was very tempting to try and have, and I probably will eventually go this direction, but it was very tempting right off the bat to try and like print everything right out of our system okay. for a job. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> and one thing I've found to be very beneficial is to just print templates that are can be hand-filled in. Okay. And um, I, it seems like you could probably pretty quickly systematize, like if you had two printers, one that printed your card, one that printed QR stickers, and you just fill in. Or like maybe some of the stuff is auto-filled, but making it so that if you need to make changes, like you're not having to fill out everything the things that need to be edited are e- hand edited are easily edited and you just can print the base cards off like very fast. Interesting. As a, as maybe an intermediate before you get everything ironed out or something in that concept, like mm-hmm. conceptually similar, maybe not exactly that. Yeah. Something I've been thinking about as it relates to sort of like that digital physical divide. Yeah. I am hoping we can have QR codes on every, I feel like every document in the shop uh-huh. and maybe there's a way to do this on like Google docs or whatever, but just like everything in the footer should automatically have a QR code that brings you back to the, like to the file. Uh huh. Cause then it would be like, Oh, we need to make this edit. And it would, you know, like, oh. like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just going to do this Actually, by that hand on the machine, like, you know, on the that- paper makes me realize we should start integrating QR codes for our jobs. Right now we have job numbers. Mm. It can still be easy for people to search incorrectly, like oh, for a part number instead of a job number. Something, And, and oh. if it was scannable to go to the right job, that would like take all of that out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like... Do you have scanners? I, I We barely use QR codes. Are there scanners you can use yeah, with a, a desktop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're pretty cheap. Cool. Um, don't buy the cheap ones on Amazon. <laughs> uh-huh. You can buy one for like twenty bucks. Yeah. Or you can buy one for like <clears> a <throat> hundred and twenty bucks. Uh-huh. Or you can buy the hundred and twenty dollar ones on eBay uh. for twenty bucks. Um, the <laughs> it's kind of weird. The the crappy ones are crappy. They're uh. hard. Like you'll stand there trying to like get it to scan. Oh. So I wouldn't recommend it. Interesting. But yeah, they work quite well. Huh. Um, and you can set them up. You configure them to like do different things. Like, do you want to scan like one D, like a barcode, yep. and two D? Do you want it? There's different like formats and languages and stuff, and you can scan it to add like an enter at the end, like a enter command at the end, or sure. not, or read special characters or not. And anyway, interesting. Yeah, they're fun. Um, yes, but. Uh, if anyone knows two questions for the audience for me, one is we're looking at Coda, which is, I think, also a relational database, much like Airtable. And we're also looking at FileMaker. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of the three. Curious if anyone has ideas. Airtable's the third? Yeah. Okay. Air t- oh, sorry. Airtable, Coda, and FileMaker. Isn't there also like, uh, I don't know a lot about it, but like App Sheets, is that a thing that people use? Yeah, so that I just got, I just was like, got served an ad for App Sheets, and I was like, I need to look at that. I don't know what to like. This is one of those tough ones because you're going to invest a lot of time in one, and then making the change. The inertia is, is 
a lot of inertia large and i feel like you have to get pretty deep to discover it's missing one key functionality that would really take it to the next level and then you're like yeah looking mournfully at the other one you didn't (laughs) pick that does do that thing that you didn't know to ask about i will say to anybody out there Airtable is good for many many things it is not good for scheduling Hmm. if uh if you want to schedule in units less than one day gotcha which i do <laughs> womp womp. Womp womp. You can't treat a day as an hour, or do they just don't do like a calendar? Like what if? You know, I haven't personally dove into it heavily. Gotcha. Someone has on my behalf and was just kind of like, uh, <laughs> "Did hey, they yeah. really not do this?" Weird. Yeah. Um. That was question one. Oh, the other question was yeah, just putting like a. This has to be easy. Adding a QR code or something, like a self-referencing QR code, like the share file. You know, like you can copy and... Airtable does that natively. Okay. (coughs) Like you can tie a QR to a a specific record. Very cool. Yeah. All right. That must be a thing. In Quora? Uh, It's called Coda, but I was thinking in Google... Right, Quora is that. Google Docs. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Like Google Docs. So, like, we're going to do our SOPs, or we are doing our SOPs as many as they as exist uh-huh. in uh google sheet uh, sorry google slides uh-huh and so it'd be nice to be able to jump right back to there yep without like i can obviously manually do it but if we could just like make it default where every sheet in the shop has a qr code that brings you right back to the digital file yeah i feel like it would really diminish that digital physical divide where it's like do i make this edit with a sharpie and then eventually once it gets messy enough we go back and rectify it uh-huh like to that one single source of truth i feel like it gets it gets you a step closer <coughs> to reducing the friction enough where you just jump in yeah and make edits anyway um anyway <laughs> should we talk about some things let's that we talk did? about things um I, I was mentioning before we started recording that uh I feel like being really busy can push you two directions. Yeah. And so often it pushes you in the like, I'm not going to improve anything. I just have to like put my head down and get through this. And this last week I found that it did the opposite where I was like, I cannot make this mistake one more time. I'm going to improve this now. (laughs) Interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. I saw you have a pretty robust set of (laughs) of, uh, improvements. Do you think part of that has to do with like, what you've read about like do you think your tolerance for crap like bad systems is lower now or do you think it's just like depends on the task i know exactly what you're talking about yeah. you're just like i know i have to do this a hundred times before midnight yeah. <laughs> like I, I just cannot do it the stupid way uh i think it's a mix i think also like as i was mentioning last episode like the work mix has changed a bit i'm doing less setups and um, we have been very busy the mm-hmm. last several weeks. And I was just like making so many mistakes in setup sheets. Gotcha. Um, and also I've been gone quite a bit. And so I was having to prep things to be set up and run when I wasn't there. And then. <laughs> <clears throat> and so there was a couple things where like, oh, I have to do this because the chance of me editing this code perfectly the first time is low. So I have to actually make the real fix that I've been avoiding for a year. And what is that fix? Well, I guess that goes into my straight straight into my first improvement, which was 
Um, I added coolant cancel codes and an A-axis zero return to my tool brake detect program. I can understand the need for the second one. Why is the first one critical, the coolant cancel? Um, so it wasn't critical until we, <laughs> we started running a new tool, a new end mill with coolant through. Okay. And it's a large hole and it moves a lot of fluid and it e-stopped the tool brake detector when it oh. got over it because it pushed it down so hard. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's been an annoyance to me for a long time that like when it goes and touches like the coolant still on. Yeah. Just because I was being OCD and it just made me twitch a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, so <laughs> this is embarrassing. So for the past like year, I've, every time I put in a, a tool brake detect, I put in an M9 right before it. Okay. Just so that I can feel good about myself. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't a real necessity until gotcha. until yesterday. Got it. And I'd done some drills in the past and it didn't push them down. It didn't push it down hard enough. And you're doing coolant through drills, I should say. And and you're doing these as like a this is pretty in the weeds, but uh <laughs> manual pass through. No, they're in I hard coded them into the the 5000 tool break detect program. Gotcha. So you just had to go back in there and edit that program. Yeah. And it was just, literally I mean, two lines. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> or three lines, I guess. But Interesting. Uh, <clears throat> it was very simple. Been meaning to do it for a long time. The important thing is the A axis return because that can cause a crash. So now anytime yeah. it goes to a tool to break detect, it returns the A axis to G530. So like the machine zero home um, for A. Nice. Which is the loading position. It's like the standard position. So unless you had something real crazy, I don't think I can't foresee any situation where you'd be able to tool break detect in a different position, but not in that position. Right. I'm sure you could construct <coughs> a situation. Yeah. I could create a situation, but like a really tall part that you have to tip over to 90 to like traverse across over it. But that would be kind of horrifying. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that nice. was my first improvement and have not populated it to all the machines yet. I did it on one. It's on another one as of this morning. And then well, I'm going to put it on the third one once we stop the part that we're running today. That is something I struggle with a lot are improvements that need to happen across a lot of things. Uh huh. And I don't know how to track it because you almost want a list of those. Like I have a bunch of production code that I run yeah, day in, day out. And then it's going to, it'll be something like we were getting a bunch of defects where the stock wasn't in the right position from the spindle gripper. Yeah. So we would get like, you know, one in a hundred. And then for some reason it started being like one in 40 and then like two in 40. And I was like, all right, yeah, going to fix this. So basically now the gripper drops off the material. It comes down a bit and just nudges it back to center. Yeah. So we know it's in the center. And that fixed the problem. And now that's on one of our programs. We have an identical part that doesn't have it. And then mm. it took me like a bunch of weeks to move it over to that one. And then we had two other programs that, because it really it adds like, I don't know, half a second. This a is second. probably a place where you, kind of opposite from me, where I want to have like, well, I mean, it's sort of the same. I would, when it comes to gripper stuff, I think we had this discussion on the podcast. I was just thinking about this. Yeah, this I want to have a universal program. Yeah. But this could also be a argument for using discrete sub programs for you that are universal, where 
and they're uh-huh. parameterized and you're like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to edit the nudge that goes across all machines or that goes across all programs. Right. They all call the same nudge sub program that moves the stock over. <laughs> nudge sub program. That's interesting. Yeah. It could was... go either way, but um, obviously it would have to be parameterized so that you could edit the specifics in the master program. But I don't, because your stuff yeah. is also similar, I could see that working well for you. Yeah, I can think of, yes. I was just uh, meditating on the concept of universal gripper programs on the way over. I think the first step I'm going to take is writing a program that allows you to parameterize your program calls, uh-huh. which we've talked about, and yeah. it's so simple. And I'm just like... Needlessly complex on our on the brother machines. Needlessly Oddlessly, complex. Oddly, but, but still yeah. fairly simple. Um, on the note of making like getting just so fed up with something that you just make the fix um i finally uh made a full setup for making soft jaws for our vice yeah so i made soft jaws to make soft jaws they're not really soft jaws but they have like jaws i made jaws for the vice to make more jaws um I thought it was going to take like two hours and it ended up taking me eight hours. <laughs> I am so happy it's done um, because basically so not quite changing units, but definitely multiply by four. Yeah. That was kind of brutal. Uh, I ran into, well, I mean, of course I ran into stuff I wasn't expecting. Hence mm-hmm. the not expecting it to take eight hours, but um, I'm very happy with the result. I ended up, it was one of those where I also experienced scope creep where I was like, Oh, I'm just going to make this jaw on this new way. And then I was like, Oh, here's like a bunch of other stuff I've been meaning to change. Yeah. That means that they come off nicer for the operator. Mm. Um, and so, but the, the big focus, so basically I have smed soft jaws, so it takes three minutes to change over to make soft jaws. The big push for this is we're going to need to make a bunch of soft jaws because some of our production soft jaws are, I see some wear on, so they're going to need replacement. Um, I really want them to be kanban um, yeah. So there's always a backup set. If we damage something, we just keep rolling. Oh, um, the actual cut jaws. Yeah. Like pre-cut. Yeah, ready I to think go. I'm going to do that. Um, uh, and then the other thing is eight hours, you know, eight hours is a lot and it definitely threw off my day. But um, I think it was probably disrupting. It was probably about an hour to, a, to two hours to, to actually make a set of soft jaws. Like, not the blanks, but actually... Like, it was very disruptive to production. Back... The old system. The old system. Like, where... How did I have that set up? What was the stock size? Like, none of it was documented. Uh, And so, just by the time it was all, like, done... And then, also, it was using some custom tools that I had to, like, set up and load. Yeah. I don't know. Just by the time it all happens, it's, like, way longer than you're hoping it would be. Yeah. Um, And so, it was sort of delaying... I was finding myself hesitant to uh, move into, like aluminum for prototyping new buckles and a big focus for us is releasing new products famously famously (laughs) even though we barely release new products um so hopefully this kind of is another step toward making that process a little bit faster yep um yeah so pretty excited about that cool um one more of my annoying annoyance uh motivated changes was i finally made a setup sheet template as i said i was making lots of emissions what did you have before i was just writing everyone out gotcha um and it is this was like a classic don't let 
perfect be the enemy of good. Right. I was uh, totally. kind of waiting for our new Airtable base to be ready before making. What is your new Airtable base? My friends building out that new the new system. Oh. Um, <clears throat> so I was kind of like, I don't want to go too far down this road until we get there. Um, and then this week I was like, this is crazy. I'm writing like often I'll have kind of like three different parts half, you know, in different levels of progress. And I'm like getting things mixed up between the different parts and just forgetting to write down a detail. Mm -hmm. So I finally made a setup sheet template. It's right now. It's just like a copy and paste <clears throat> prompts for all the things. So it's like, uh, I'll just read it to you. It's, uh, this is what people tune into this podcast for. It's just <laughs> some, some, some nice readings, <laughs> setup sheet templates. Where did it go? Uh, this is really, I mean, it's sort of funny. I feel like we've talked about this before, but there's such a, there's such a selection bias in content in general away from sort of in the weeds specifics. Yeah. So it's just like machine special job notes are the notes for the machine loading for the enclosure of machining or loading area. If it's on the R450 trunnion, yes or no pallet number, if applicable op one origin op one probe origin, if different op one origin location op one vice op one jaws op one spacing jaw spacing clamping direction, stock orientation, stock bias and vice part file, any additional notes, part flip, and then all the same stuff for up to. And so when you say this is copy paste, you copy and paste this whole thing into a document and then kind of fill it out. And then just fill it out. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice. And uh, I need to add something because I just got a text that I forgot to upload a file. Oh. <laughs> so actually, I'm just going to have it open. <laughs> um, interesting. I feel like this is a great example of don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good because yeah. it would be so easy. Like my immediate thought when you're like, you know, I was thinking, oh, it would be nice to do like a Google form where it's conditional formatting. So like, you know, you will turn green once you've put in that info. Yeah. But then you don't do it. And this you did. I did. It only took like five minutes. And, and then also like, when your friend is like, hey, I built this new system. What are we doing for the template on this page? You'll be like, here it is. Uh -huh. <laughs> These are all the things I want in there. Yeah, exactly. And so like you've made a lot of progress. Yeah, I felt real stupid for not having done it before, but yeah, now it's done. Yeah. <laughs> Most of these improvements, that's how I feel. I'm like, yeah. I mean, the successful ones, right? They're typically fast, easy, inexpensive, and quite impactful. Yeah. And you're like, wow, I've been doing this for two years now. <laughs> the right. other way. I also gave it, obviously gave access to Ariel and Quorum. So if they keep seeing things that I forget, they can just go in and like put a prompt. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, my really dumb one from a while ago, which I talked about, but this strongly reminds me of it, is uh, when I was telling Sam about how it would be nice if we put a computer over by the scale so I didn't have to like remember how much. <laughs> and he's like, what if you just put the scale over by the computer? I was yeah. like, wow, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> and I painted thousands of buckles. Yeah. Um, okay, so in terms of which we talked about last episode, um, optimizing for learning, I got taller hardened jaw inserts for holding our op one stock, which the hope is that it is more uh, more accepting of like we've had issues with throwing parts due to burrs. Yeah. And so um, these little inserts 
for people who aren't familiar, are basically little hardened pieces of steel that grip onto the bottom of our aluminum stock. Yep. And you're trying to hold as little stock as possible so that you don't waste a lot of aluminum just for holding the part while you while you do the machining, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And so the old ones held on to 0.06 inches of stock, um, 60 thousandths of an inch. It's like half of an eighth of an inch. So, uh, you know, for people who are familiar with what an eighth looks like. Also known as one sixteenth. Yeah, a little <laughs> under. Um, and it's decent. It's not a ton of grip. Um, if you have too much clamping pressure, um, it'll just shear off the bottom corner yeah. I found. And that also means that if you have a burr that's like 20 thousandths, you've reduced your, yeah, by yeah. 33%. Yeah. So it, it's just a little light. And then the other thing I was finding is that 60 thousandths of an inch, if you have a decent sized hat, like if you have, this is really in the weeds, but if you have a decent size stock relative to your part geometry, yeah. that's actually really thin Right. In term, like it's flexible it's so flexible yeah and so you end up often cutting above that 60 thousandths anyway just so, to maintain rigidity just to maintain rigidity in that hat and so um we've had issues with throwing parts but then also we just like to be able to get after a little faster like just push the machine a little harder uh-huh. and also not have as many issues with burrs so we got in some taller jaws these are uh 0.1 are they the same is, dimensions the other way? Are they still half by three quarter? No, oh. they are three quarter by three quarter, oh. which caused me problems, which was <laughs> part of why that project took eight hours instead of two hours. Ah. Um, I ran out of real estate, so I had to like reorient the part. Anyway, yeah. it was a whole thing. And then that caused problems I hadn't anticipated mm-hmm. of drilling too far away yeah. from the face. Um, anyway, so I put those in the jaws for making or soft jaws, um, partly just because I wanted to integrate them and see what problems I had or how that affected things. The other thing is it's just a really big part. Yeah. Uh, and so it's nice to be holding on to a little bit more. I was always like a little bit, you know, high pucker factor. Yeah. Machining those, holding on to <laughs> 60 thousandths. Like when you have like an inch and a half of engagement to do like a nice facing pass and you're like, man, my yeah. spindle is so close to that part. And if it moves, could wreck a spindle yeah potentially so yeah um i ordered three of those probe halos i don't know if you've seen those online i have an embarrassing story about those not only have i seen them i bought one and it is sitting in my drawer for the past six months oh no (laughs) i really i was looking at it yesterday i was like if i crash my spindle yeah with this in my drawer (laughs) well i mentioned uh a little while back we had that probe crash due to that weird macro issue. Yep. Uh, it happened again. <laughs> How's the probe? Um, functional, but needing to be replaced, I think. Okay. Same probe? At Dif- least? Different probe. Uh, damn. Yeah. Uh, that sucks. Um, yeah, we, I thought we had the issue fixed, and there was like one scenario where <sighs> it was in cam where it would still happen. Caught it the first time and fixed it, and then actually like caught it again, sent the scenario to um phil who's doing the post editing he sent it back and like literally i had it back but hadn't started using it yet and i posted another program didn't catch it i wasn't proofing it and so we crashed the probe Uh, damn and and the the probe halo would have yeah saved it it was in protected move 
yeah. mode. So it would have saved it. I have to say that was one of those things when I saw it. I forget the guy who makes them. Uh, I forget his actual name, old, but bo- uh, Old Boys Industries, I think. Yeah. Um, you're like, how is this not how they come? Right. That was. <laughs> it's so simple. Yeah. It's very surprising. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I felt like a real idiot, but uh, and hopefully <laughs> they won't be necessary now. But right, really cheap insurance. Very cheap. Yeah, it's a uh, for listeners. The probe is like six thousand dollars. You can get a rebuild cheaper. I think. Yeah, a rebuild it. for I know now a rebuild for a Renishaw. I think is around twelve or fifteen hundred bucks. A rebuild for a Bloom is like twenty seven hundred bucks. Oh. So I unfortunately i crashed and cracked the glass on the bloom oh damn and then these rings are uh, i got a three pack oh for 110 dollars. there you go smashing value that is literally <laughs> non-smashing value. <laughs> go get them everybody <laughs> um yeah for anybody who's wondering i actually haven't test fit it yet but uh it appears that the metal like screw part of the um Stylus uh-huh. is the same diameter on the OMP40 Renishaw as the Bloom T52 or whatever okay. it is. So I'll, I'll let people know if it doesn't work for some reason, but it should work across both. Very nice. Yeah. Um, to tie that back to lean principles <laughs> for a second, uh-huh. this has to do with um, what's it called? Error proofing? Well, s- sort of. I was going to say more like. Um, to move to like lower lead times, uh, lower inventories, you need process availability. Uh-huh. And if you crash your probe, it really messes up your production yep. schedule. And so it is really important to start preemptively finding ways things could break, finding yeah. a- and just like solving those problems ahead of time. And even if they cost quite a bit of money, there's huge savings in knowing that when you show up to do something, it will work. Yeah. Uh, I think of like process availability. I, I did some business trips in India and the traffic is so bad that most people meetings typically start 45 minutes late. Uh huh. And part of it is, I don't know, cultural. And the other part is like, you literally like you, literally you might just sit in traffic for like an hour and a half to get somewhere. Yeah. Like even if it's a whatever. Like I got out and walked five miles and it was faster. Wow. Yeah. I was like, this is. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I ran, I guess. But um, <laughs> anyway, no one else was there. When got there. <laughs> Can't be late. Oh. <laughs> um. But if you think about how much how much waste exists as a whole in that country. Yeah. And not just that country, but like due to traffic and not knowing that you can reliably get in your car and arrive somewhere else every time, sort of the same amount of time Uh is huge. And similarly, I don't know, you can't alleviate that with a $110 spend, unfortunately, but yeah, traffic issues. Part of the way there. Oh, traffic issues for sure. But yeah. Yeah. um, We have two different, this is in the weeds again, but we have two different types of probes in the shop now, which I'm a little... At the time, it was kind of like, these ones are really nice. You should get this one. I was like, sure, I'll get that one. Now that we don't have cross compatibility between our machines, I'm a little like, hmm, 
you know like mm-hmm. if it had broken and right you just walk over to the other machine and take pull it. the probe out use it and put it back yeah which is not an option now because they have different receivers the whole yada yada um so in the long run i would I should have maybe been a little more forceful about maintaining consistency between machines. Interesting. Even though I think their hardware is really good and and all that. Blum? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Yeah, I have a Renishaw, I think. Yeah, and at some point, it's almost to the point of, like, have an extra probe in in the drawer in case. It's expensive, but it is expensive. I wonder about that when you get to the point where a machine is making right multiple thousands of dollars a day, hopefully, yeah, or at least a thousand dollars a day. And how long it takes to get a new probe? Like, it how doesn't long does take, it take to get a new probe? Uh, I think it depends on who you get it from. Like, if you get it overnighted, yeah, I think Renishaw is pretty quick. I think maybe not so much. Interesting. I feel like this would be. We had the big machinist meet up in Seattle. Yeah, maybe the 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 machinists of the Pacific Northwest should, should have like go one on Renishaw <laughs> and one Blum somewhere, and we just overnight it to whoever needs it, and they pay for it. That's a good idea, actually. right? We don't all need thousands of dollars to no, end yeah. up in extra parts that are like process we, critical. Yeah, just pitch in a hundred bucks, and you have access to a whole bunch of a, a, hmm. yeah, like that. I will do that to anybody else who wants to jump in. <laughs> Send us a message. <laughs> you actually don't even have to be in the Northwest. You can overnight anything in the whole country pretty cheap. So, That's true. Yeah. This we just is, need a big collective yeah. for all our backup parts. We also need to start one, You not anymore, but uh, for the phase converters, for uh, the capacitors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That said, they they're overnight them. Cheap. Yeah. Well, they're cheap and they know. <laughs> they overnight them and they have them in stock. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, I sort of talked about this, but uh, yeah, the thing about moving Kanban to relational database. Um, so we've been making some steps, taking some steps at that, uh, trying to make sure it's a smooth-ish. Trying to not do the thing, which I feel like we do, which is like, all right, we came up with a new idea. Let's full send. Yeah. Like the plan is to do it for like five Kanban and then let that sit for like a month and just see what the total experience is mm-hmm. like something that gets reordered we'll probably have one that's like externally ordered one or two you know like a few different types of kanban yeah and just experiment with the full workflow yeah um but yeah anyway we sort of talked about that um this is a nice very simple low cost one uh we have now I wish it was sister tooling. I was thinking it's like stepsister tooling. <laughs> um, we have set up tools outside of the machine that are identical so that if something gets dull or breaks or something, you change it out immediately, hit yeah. go, and then do the um, you know necessarily tool change outside of the machine. The reason we did it ev- originally was when Sam was just new in the shop, I went away yeah. and I was like, okay, these are the tools that sort of like are prone to yeah. wear or breaking. And he doesn't know how to set up tools in like a shrink fit tool setter or uh-huh. whatever. So I just had backup set up. Um, we've done it now because it's way faster and we need the backup anyway in case you like really blow something up. Yeah. It would grind production to a halt. We've yeah. started becoming much more aware of like which things in the shop are really Pro. very mission critical. Mm. Like our 
whatever it is, $190, $150 Rolo printer. Yeah. It's like we ship stuff every day and we have <laughs> one of them in the shop. So I think I'm going to buy a second one. Yeah. And we're going to use it immediately for printing labels of a different size. And sure. then we also have that redundancy, which will be nice. Yeah. But um, on those extra tools sitting outside of the machine, when I pulled one out, I wanted to keep the tag with it that tells you what tool it is. Mm -hmm. But I needed to indicate that it was not ready to go back in the machine. Oh, yeah. And so I added a red piece of tape to the back side of the label and a green piece of tape to the front side of the label. And so now if you pull one out of the machine, you can put the tag back on the, the bad one. Mm. You know, you take the tag off of the new one that goes into the machine and then the old one that comes out of the machine, you can put the tag on it, but flipped over. So it shows red. So, you yeah. know, and then all the information is still with it of like what tool it is what number it is, all that stuff. So you can go in the drawer and pull out the correct end mill and set it up with the correct stick out and all that. Yeah. Um, anyway, you know, five Sim minutes, simple, simple, super simple. Um, for the first one, I rewrote all the info on the back. So either way you could see it, but then I was like, I don't actually need that. I just need to indicate like, this is not ready to go in the machine. Yeah. And then, you, so it just has a piece of red tape on the back of the tag. Yeah. Um, so that was a nice one. I was sort of trying to think of other places to apply that. Um, yeah, th this sort of gets back to like the flow of information and making sure information is captured. Um, I've had a bunch of really notable uh, at this point experiences coming back to the shop after being away for a few days and uh -huh. we'll have like a 10 minute meeting like we normally do. Yeah. Which is very different than yeah I've seen and have experienced of like, all right, let's talk for like two hours of all the information like oh this thing broke and we need to figure that out and this but like kanban and this thing like they basically just take care of information flow yeah and so when you walk back into a shop that is using kanban if you're the one who manages reordering no one needs to be like oh hey we need to reorder this or oh hey we like i have all these things that i think are low and we should it's all captured. It's all, it all anyway. So this is a, another step in that direction where like, I don't need to go talk to the machine operator to know the state of that tooling. I can walk up and be like, it's ready or it's not ready. Yeah. And yeah, really helps the shop operate nice. effectively. Um, a couple other quick ones. Um, we updated due to our crash, the probe calibration routine um, like descriptions and documentation in our SOPs tab with photos and and language that was easily understandable for everybody. Updated as in you already had it, but it wasn't that good or update. Like, like I had uploaded like just like the instructions from Yamazen. I see. Um, they are pretty cryptic. <laughs> so like I was like, Ariel, try and recalibrate oh, nice. that. And she was kind of like, I don't understand a bunch of this. So she took photos of like, how to set up the gauge ring, cool. how to use a, a gauge block to set the Z height. And then she wrote in some descriptions of like, this is what this actually means. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so that was pretty helpful. Very cool. Um, yeah. Uh, one other, well, I guess there's, did you have more? Um, I have two more. Well, hit me. We'll run through them. Oh yeah. So um, our friend Avi came out for a visit yesterday. Uh-huh. He's working on these AI or whatever, machine ML, learning. machine learning, uh, 
visual like it's a camera that uses machine learning to uh do sort of like natural language questions yeah. so you can kind of query like is this is this happening and then connect it to something else yeah. um which and it will tell you yes or no theoretically yeah, yeah. Um, so he came out to kind of set some stuff up around the shop and we're just going to see how it works. Um, I was having trouble ahead of time thinking of applications for it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, whatever, like, come on out, you know, be yeah. cool to see. We ended up with some very cool applications and it, the setup was very quick. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, but it was fun to, I don't know. It felt like I had to change how I was thinking about them. So one of them is, uh, it is a camera that is looking at where our parts get staged pre-paint. Uh-huh. And the, it's sort of, are we ready to paint? Yeah. And so what we did is we asked, are there Kanban art? Are, like, are there parts on racks next to each Kanban card? Mm. That way, if, if we have empty racks there, then the answer is no. Yeah. And if we have no Kanban present and let's think about that. there's a few states but basically by saying are the kanban there and are there yeah. full parts oh when we unload the oven sometimes depending on staging and process sometimes we have full racks there but no kanban huh. and so anyway so now from downstairs we will be able to tell if yeah. stuff's ready for paint which is a conversation we have almost daily sam yeah. and I. it's like hey sam are we ready for paint and he's like oh yeah yeah we're ready for paint meanwhile if the light just turned red it's going to be connected to an andon light yeah if the light turned red i could just at a glance no yes or no like, yeah this is the kind of thing i'm yeah thinking about for like setups where it's like is all the stuff there for a setup right it's a little harder to systematize maybe but i don't know i queried the crew as well as like where do you think we could use this type of thing the mm. immediate thoughts were like is the chip bin overflowing behind the machine right or is the outfeed table on the saw at yeah like, and i don't know if you could tie that back to the saw to pause it probably not the saw's pretty stupid but maybe you might be able to just like figure something out yeah anyway cool we're gonna keep discussing it and kind of see where we can plug it in hopefully some of the applications are really dumb but I also think it's going to be quite useful. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I don't know how to think about that. Yeah. Totally. You know, you're like, oh, I could just use a, like a switch and then connect it, but I haven't. And this is so fast to set up. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I had date and time of posting added to my post processor. Okay. I'm not sure. Maybe that might be native in yours or some know. others. But I have often run into this situation where I proof a program. So it's a time, yeah. Go back, make an edit, it's upload revision it. Revision control, basically. Yeah, and I'm like, did that upload? I have that too. Yeah. Uh, so oh, that's a nice way of doing it, actually. Yeah, so I, I have, because I found myself being like, writing in a note, like, I updated this at this date and this time with these changes and I'm like, why am I writing this over and over again? Like this can be automatic. Um, so very small thing, but that's very cool. Hopefully impactful. Yeah. That does sound impactful. Yeah. Even immediately for just time saving. Yeah. And then long-term fail, like avoiding failures. Yeah. Um, nice. The last one for us is, uh, uh, Sam added more, uh, 
barcodes to some Kanban of new products. Um, on the back of the Kanban, we have barcodes that help us in the QC. When we're doing QC, you just scan the back and it tells you what part we did and what color it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that gets that populates. I forget if we talked about this. I feel like we did. But we transitioned our QC. We have a Google form and then a barcode scanning gun. Mm-hmm. And so you scan the Kanban and that inputs the data, like the what part is it, what... Uh, color you know the date is auto captured and then there's different questions all of which are required Mm -hmm. and then there's different scannable options on the wall and so you literally just take the barcode gun and like go down the wall putting inputting like how many defects do we have due to this zero how many defects do we have due to this scan one how many Mm -hmm. and you can just go all the way across it's super fast um i don't know that it would be as useful for things like you know, inputting measurements, like for QCing parts in a dimensional sense, I yeah. think would be not as useful, but this is like a really nice way to do data capture. Yeah. I've found like transitioning from the mouse and keyboard back and forth is yeah, time consuming, especially if you are doing stuff with your hands or your hands are dirty or whatever. So yeah, cool. I like it. Um, last one for us was, so I wrote out that setup sheet template. Uh-huh. So in the past, I've often like embedded soft jaw cutting information in that. Okay. This kind of made it clear that it should be its own thing. The soft jaw operation is kind of its own thing. Okay. Um, prior, our Airtable operations were separated into like you can have a sawing op, you can have a fixture op, you can have an op one, an op two, an op three. We didn't have a discrete soft jaw operation. So I was like, maybe we should just make this obvious, discrete. This is what it is. Um, that makes sense. So yeah. We'll like do it, it for every job. Do it almost. for pretty much every job. Uh, it's like a 30 nice. second change. That's and awesome. hopefully that will be helpful. And what goes in there? That's just like. Um, setup notes. You know, in effect, cutting a soft jaw is another setup. Sometimes it's the same origin and stuff, but right. um, it is another setup. And uh, it has its own file. Hmm, right. So basically just be like... It's, it's a part. It's a part. Yeah. Basically. In a part family. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that was our uh, stress-induced productive week. Yeah. those that, that last one sort of sounds like that thing of like, if you try to standardize, it, it sort of highlights the bad process you have. Yeah. And you're like, oh this is we're let's doing, rethink this we're doing this wrong <laughs> yeah that's cool it's yeah. always yeah nice to have clarity on that yeah awesome well, well we ran real long oh we really did wow lots of improvements oopsies um yeah we have a patreon hit it up link in the description <laughs> um and an instagram incremental ci please reach out um, oh, I had one last thing I wanted to mention. Uh, Henry Holsters um, had a comment about my slow and embarrassing bike tire <laughs> leak that took me weeks and weeks to fix and oh, yeah. almost made me miss a ferry a couple times because I had to like pump it up. And um, so they call those ankle biters or something like that, um, like problems that aren't a big problem, like it's not going to kill you, but it keeps... Um, just like disrupting things and you can either work around it or sort of 
whatever make a quick fix but uh, but eventually you will have to go fix the thing yeah and so it's a great term yeah ankle butters so thanks for that uh you can find me at incremental sorry no you can find <laughs> me at austere underscore manufacturing on instagram and austere mfg on the internet you can find me at lichen underscore mfg on instagram and lichenprecision.com on the internet we will thanks all for listening you.